بسم الله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته brothers and sisters جزاكم خير for tuning in this is the next episode of the Mike's Loaded podcast with myself your host brother Riaz we're going up in the world alhamdulillah we had a guest last episode we got two guests this episode alhamdulillah um, so inshallah we're going to get a little bit more of um, you know some conversations and some insights for my guests. So just to introduce them, we have uh, Brother Shahinoor. Um, Shahinoor, assalamu alaikum. How are you doing? Wa alaikum assalam. Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm doing well. Uh, Shahinoor, so Shahinoor's from Wales. Mashallah, we're going to quiz him a little bit about uh, about Welsh culture in just a second. Shahinoor, do you want to just give like a very brief uh, introduction to yourself, just so that listeners know who they're uh, who they're listening to? Yeah, I'm Shahinoor. I'm from Wales and um, an interesting fact about me, I'm the first international guest on Riaz's uh, on Riaz's podcast. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Maybe the, maybe the first of many, inshallah. Right, so the next one is, um, is Brother Abdullah. <laughs> now, Brother Abdullah is a little bit mysterious, mashallah. Um, he's been involved in a number of different DAO projects. He's also been involved in Masajid, etc., etc. So, um, and he's got a few special skills as well that we're also going to sort of try and uh, tap into. So, Sarah, Brother Abdullah, how you, how you doing? <laughs> he he's got, he's got me soon. Alhamdulillah. How you? So, you okay? Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Good. Good. Zakhlaq for having me on. No problem, man. Just like, okay, right. Okay, so let's get in with our um, let's get in with our uh, starter. Okay, so I wanted to uh, discuss with you guys a few little um, a few little icebreaker points. Okay, so Shahinor, I'm going to start with you. Okay, so as you said, you're someone from Wales, so I'm going to quiz you a little bit on uh, something to do with Wales. Okay. Um, so I had it on my screen, but I don't want to share my screen. So um, I'm just going to check here. Okay. So how's your knowledge of Welsh uh, history, culture, etc.? I'm not. I'm not to know. Okay. We'll see. Right. Let's have a look. Okay. So I'll just ask you one or two uh, quick little questions uh, about Wales. So, uh, what is the highest peak in Wales? Oh, that's easy. That's that's Snowden. Snowden, okay, mashallah. So yeah, yeah, that was. Everyone knows that. One. Even people outside Wales know that. Yeah, I know. It's just it's just warming up, isn't it? Hold on. All right. Okay. Um. So, um. Is it true or false that Wales has the most castles in the world? Um, that's a good question. Uh, Wales is known for castles. Um, they, I know they have the highest proportion of castles in a in a in a short in the in the area. So I'm going to say true. Okay, right. So from the from what I've got on my facts, yeah, it's not necessarily true, but it does have the highest number of castles per square mile. So I think that's yeah, what that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. So, Technically, you got that right. Okay. Um, and then the last one, what sport 
first appeared in Wales in the 1800s. Famous sport. What do you think it might be? What famous sport first appeared in Wales? I'm just going to say rugby because everybody in the world... Right, okay, so it wasn't rugby, it was lawn tennis. Lawn tennis. So you got you got sort of like two out of three, which is pretty good. Well, two, well one and a half. So, well done. <laughs> right, uh, Brother Abdullah. Is it Wales, um, is it Wales sport, uh, Gaelic football or something like that? When he throw the throw the ball no, with the stick. That's Ireland. That's Ireland, yeah. Right, so Brother Abdullah is, he's not just, um, you know, an active brother, mashallah, but he's also got a few special skills, a bit of uh, specialist knowledge in the food industry, mainly to do with eating, okay? So, Brother Abdullah, I'm going to ask you just to give me a little bit of a review. That's basically uh, a nice way of saying I'm overweight. <laughs> I'm not talking about, I'm talking about, like, you know, the, the, the connoisseur type stuff, yeah? So, um, I want you to give me a very quick um, review or, or recommendation of the best burger you've had in London? Oh, see, that's the problem. That's so subjective. It depends on what type of burger. Do you want a, a proper gourmet burger? Do you want a fast food burger? What type of burger do you want? I want a, I want a gourmet burger. Imagine I'm thinking about going somewhere, lockdown's, lockdown's finished, yeah, eat out to help out, it's back. Where do I need to go for that nice, juicy burger? What's your recommendation? What's your, what's your pocket like? How much are you willing to spend on a burger? No, oh, man, you're you're proper going deep, man. This is what I'm talking about. This is the thick of the of the issue. Okay, so um, what can I? Do, okay, um, I don't want to go like super. I don't want to necessarily go like five star or something like this. But what's what's reasonable for a burger? You know, like what, ten fifteen pound? Oh, uh, yeah, so you got, you got lots of options for that then, really, to be honest. You know, there's um, there's so many, man. Where do you want me to start? East London, West London, South London? You, you give me, you give me your go-to. Okay, okay, okay. You're making it too complicated, man. I'm going to make it simple, right? What's your go-to place for a burger? You want to get, get a nice burger? What's your go-to place? Uh, my go-to place every time is a place called Cheat Meals. They've just opened up a new branch in uh, West Ealing. Owned yeah. by a really nice brother. Um, there were three branches now, I think. Uh, really simple. It's based off like, you know, five guys. So it's fresh meat, never frozen, cooked on a flat plate. Um, and they get a really nice burger and it's not heavy on the pocket either. Ten pound, you got a whole meal. If you know what? I might have to check that out. So that's cheat meals, yeah? Is that what it's called? Yeah, cheat, cheat meals. meals. Cheat meals, mashallah. So you got a recommendation yeah. from Brother Abdullah right there. Inshallah, we're going to try and uh, when when we're able to go out back to the restaurants and things like well, we I guess they're open right now, isn't it? I guess yeah, they'll be open, open for takeaway. Like, I've, I've seen them on uh, delivery. Yeah, yeah, delivery and things like yeah, that. Yeah, they're, they're open brilliant. for takeaway. Yeah. Okay, good, cool. Right, so that's a little bit of an introduction to our guests, but we're going to get onto the actual uh, topic, Inshallah, that we're going to be talking about. So. Um, what we've got here is we've got a very unique situation. So I'm just going to sort of like introduce it for, you know, the audience and then the brothers can sort of jump in and sort of give their little insights and things like that. So we're over a year into this whole COVID pandemic. Okay. SubhanAllah it's totally shook up things from business, economics, you know, even family situations, you know, high death rate, uh, high infection rate, et cetera, et cetera. 
hearing a lot of bleak stuff in the news, all this sort of stuff. And I wanted to focus especially on the issue of uh, obviously Muslim community and the masajid as well. And we're at a situation now where we're at a little bit of a, a fork in the road, if you like. Many masajid have been closing. There are some that are still open. Um, today, government guide, guidelines have not said that places of worship have to close. Okay, so technically they can be open. Um, but obviously there are um, restrictions and guidelines that are taking place within those places. So we sort of like want to look at this situation and sort of break it down a little bit and provide a little bit of guidance, inshallah, for people at home um, on what our mindset should be. Now, one thing that I do need to throw out there is nobody here is uh, a sheikh or a mufti. Nobody can give like Islamic rulings and no one here is a medic. OK, um, so that's why we're sort of like trying to you know, stay in our lanes and discuss it more from a, a Tobia point of view and a mindset point of view and how the community should uh, approach this issue. Um, so let's let's start talking about that first. Um, why is it that the masajid is so important to us as a community? Um, Shahinul. Shahinul, where are you going, man? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you muted yourself. It's the, uh, you know, they always, they always say there's a problem with the world. The problem in the yeah? world, they, they have more sheep than they have humans. Allah. So the internet. Yeah, thing. sorry. Uh, I, I, I was just uh, moving from Wi Fi to um, mobile internet. So, oh, what was the question? I missed it. Yeah. No, the question was why is the, the message so important to us as a community? You know, why, why is it something that we should be concerned about? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, uh, and, do you know, uh, and to be honest, this, this question and this point of the importance of the masjid should be at the forefront of, of um, all our minds when, we, when we're discussing uh, about the role the mosques play. Um, and I just want to kind of focus the attention to our history and the migration of the Prophet Sallallahu and we all know um, the Prophet and his companions, they migrated from Mecca to Medina. And the first, uh, the first establishment was the mosques. And it's so fundamental to our religion. Um, and, and that's something that we need to bear in our minds when we're talking about um, mosques. And, and unfortunately today um, with COVID, and you know, we all know that COVID is a test from Allah. And Allah is testing us for our faith. And unfortunately, a lot of people are failing these tests because we see people are talking about closing the mosques, just like closing the fridge. Um, mm. it's, 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 it's taken so easily. Um, yeah. And I think... Um, I don't know if you can say yeah. that because you're, um, you're kind of laying down a premise there that just because uh, masjid's kind of... The elders have kind of come to a conclusion that they need to close it. Maybe they, you know, they had a lot of thought behind it, uh, and they went through a process. Then they came to the decision because like, I, I don't think a lot of the older committees take it lightly to close the masjid because they spent their whole life kind of, you know, giving to the community to make the masjid. Um, I think it's just the pressure of you know um, everyone around us kind of getting towards them uh, mentally. So socially and that might be making them 
you know, have to take that decision of closing the masjid. But I think they still keep the masjid very important. Like, uh, I, I think the older generation has a much more kind of uh, attachment to the masjid, uh, more, even though it could be culturally. But like uh, the masjids I've seen, the olders are always at the masjid and they always want to keep the masjid open. But it's the circumstances. So I don't think they were closing it like a fridge door. Yeah, I think I think that's um, a really I think it's a just... really important point, um, which which obviously we can discuss, and that is that um, there has to be a process in place, right? I mean, um, I know Shahin, you, you you're carrying on your point. I'll just quickly jump in with this. That yeah, could I just, yeah, could go I just on, clarify on. what I meant before, yeah. just before you carry on? Yeah, what I meant was um, I was probably more pointing the finger towards the lay people, not the people involved in the mosque committees. Um, and it's just my experience of speaking to people. Um, people, some people are practicing, some people are not so practicing and, they, and they're quick to comment. And I think the situation has made us like this whereby um, the houses of Allah um, are sacred and sanctified. And um, it's made, it, it's almost come to the point that we can all comment we all have a comment and we all have an opinion to say whether they should stay open or not. And I think that was a point. Uh, and I wasn't referring to or alluding to what the mosques have done or the committees have done. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, I have good thoughts in, in, yeah. in the mosque. I think, I think, that's, I think that's a really important um, point. Um, yeah, sorry, but I think that's a really important point because um, as long as there's a process, right? So if, for example, a message that's closed, and I was speaking to uh, one, of our, one of our sheikhs yesterday, um, and he was saying to me that, uh, I was saying to him, what, why is this happening? You know, what's the reason? And he was saying that there's a whole host of reasons, you know. One could be for, I don't know, high infection rate in a particular area. One could be because of pressure from, um, I don't know, local authority uh, that's not sort of like quote-unquote official or not, I don't know. Uh, another one could be from um, infrastructure point of view. Yeah, like loads of different issues um, and loads of, loads of different factors with regards to why um, a message might be closing or not but I think the question is as long as the process has been followed you know like have they consulted people of knowledge have they gone through and looked at specialists etc etc um, brother Abdullah what's, what's your view in terms of like you know um, how the community is reacting to this I mean um, uh, that's a good question I, I for the community I think it's uh, it's like a mixed bag really you've got some people who are like really uh, for keeping the masjids open no matter what then you've got like another group that are foreclosing them um, and I think because the situation has been going on for so long we have to be really sensitive about the impact that has mentally and, and socially on people right um, yeah. is that the masjid has always been seen as a place of safety um, yeah. and a place where you go to, to get spiritual uh, increase your iman gets boosted and, and, and you can connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, more so um, and I think what's happened is is that one camp has kind of taken that as a uh, place of kind of like um, finding you know solace in in the masjid so at this tough time when everything's going on the masjid is a place they want to go to, to connect to Allah um, and the other group might necessarily have a stronger connection at home and throughout generally in life right um, or have a different type of connection and not necessarily just through the masjid itself so they don't necessarily see it from that perspective. They see it as a place where they don't want those who go to the masjid to get sick. 
Yeah. So it's not a case where people are saying, oh, look, we don't need the masjid to be open or we don't need to be praying at a time where, you know, so many people are getting sick and uh, so many people are kind of um, uh, uh, ill and, 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 you know, the, the new strain is spreading so much. Um, it's more to do with, you know, one group is saying, look, we need to save everyone, preserve everyone in terms of safety. And the other is saying, look, we can do all our processes and procedures and still stay open because let's be honest um i've i've been involved in a few masjids and and every single one of them that i know of that i've been to uh, has very strict processes and protocols when it comes to wearing your mask having your own prayer mat taking your own shoes with you when you're when, when you're praying leaving straight away not praying extra prayers apart from the obligatory prayers um one masjid's got um a gun you know you check the um temperature yeah uh, the temperature, have you seen, guys seen that? The temperature yeah, yeah. gun, someplace yeah. Yeah. where you take the temperature on the head. Um, and then they've even got like these units in the masjid where they're purifying the air and they spend like thousands of pounds on them so they can keep the masjid open. Um, they've gone to like, you know, that, to be honest, I mean, you've probably got more chance of going to Tesco or Asda's or going out shopping uh, because I don't see people there wearing masks all the time, cleaning the trolleys all the time. Uh, you don't know who's touched what product when you're buying it. Um, but the masjids, they followed that process and, they, and, and they've gone through that process. So I think it's really to do with uh, a mentality of positivity from both sides. So it's not it's not like one saying close it because we don't want the masjid open. It's because one's trying to do it for the... What I'm trying to say is basically they're both doing it for the, for the right reason. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, everyone's got reason. intentions. I, I just want to come in on that. And, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, just to add to your point, I mean... Um, the people that are calling for the mosques to close, they have the best of intentions and um, they justify their, their position by saying that we want to preserve life, which is obviously um, a very noble endeavour. Um, the only thing I'd want to say um, on that is that um, we have to make a clear distinction between people and places. Um, what Adil just mentioned, uh, Abdullah mentioned, sorry, <laughs> uh, is um, is that the the place itself is safe? The the mosques have put in um, strict guidelines to ensure the safety. Mm-hmm. However, it's the actions of people, um, the actions of people, mm-hmm. cause it to be unsafe. Um, likewise, like um, and this is a that's what, that's what that's one of the risks because yeah. you can put in the you can put in the measures as as an organization yeah, but yeah. then i know there are some masajid that have sort of been forced to uh, act in a certain way that maybe they wouldn't have wanted to because of the way that people have responded and uh, people have acted in a sort of like irresponsible way but, and yeah go on but let's, i was going to say let's, let's take that. a look at let's let's take a look at the evidence um, BBSI, who are the British Board of Scholars and Imams, they quoted in November around 47 cases since the start of COVID in all mosques in England, right? And if you compare that to the, the overall number of people attending mosques, um, it, it's a very, very low, low number. Um, in fact, in Wales, there's no evidence of any, any spread in, in the mosque at all. And, and like, like Abdullah said, um, there's more chance of catching it in supermarkets. And what I feel that the, the focus should be on is people's behaviors. People are still meeting up, 
going to other people's families' homes and, and catching COVID through those means. And no one's batting an eyelid to that. In, yeah. Instead, mosques are being used as a scapegoat, which I think, you know, shouldn't be the focus of our, our discussions when talking about um, fighting COVID. What, what I think is uh, also interesting is like, I've been to a few masajid and I've actually seen a mix. So maybe you guys can sort of like, uh, you know, uh, jump in with your experiences as well. So there's a couple of masajid that I've been to that are very uh, particular with the restrictions, okay, and the regulations. So uh, masks, like a standard procedure is mask, mat, shoe bag, um, distance from, you know, from the other, other masalin, um, temperature checks, uh, sanitizing your hands. Like there's not really much else you can really do. Um, and also uh, contact tracing, okay? But I've seen other masajid that are, you know, maybe even the opposite where they haven't been as uh, as strict. But the thing is, when you do go to a masjid where they're following the guidelines properly, you do you do feel safe, you know, alhamdulillah, because like last time when I went to Juma, I literally didn't touch anything that was not my possession. Do you know what I mean? Like I didn't touch anything that was not my possession. I'm not like in the supermarket where I pick something up, put it back. Do you know what I mean? So in that sense, it's quite, like, you know, uh, contamination through touching things can be minimised quite a lot. Um, there are issues of obviously, like, you know, yeah. virus being airborne and stuff like that. But again, if there's adequate ventilation and stuff. Yeah, yeah sorry. About the asymptomatic, right? So, you know, you felt safe. You didn't touch anything. What about the asymptomatic, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, when you when you when you could have the new strain of COVID, but you don't have any signs of it, right? So all those checks and bounds have come in. You've actually, you know, no temperatures picked up. Person's there. Person doesn't even know they've got COVID. Um, and they're perfectly fine, healthy. They're breathing with their mask. And sometimes what I see is even in the strict masjids, a lot of people, they put their mask down a bit, you know, for a you know, for however long their mask is a bit down, they're breathing from their nose, it's coming out. Maybe they put their, their face mask on, off, take it off. And within within a period of time, and then what happens is that that could be airborne and then that could spread. And then someone who could have an effect of that could get COVID and then could have serious, uh, could have serious implications on them. So that's where yeah. the other side comes from when it comes yeah. to... Yeah, no, you're right. You might you're feel right. Safe. But... That, I was going to say, that goes back to people's behaviours because the mosque has implemented the, the necessary controls in place um, because you're, you're given a hypothetical scenario whereby the mosques, this is, this is by law now, it's not even a mosque thing, it's, it's by law, you need, to wear mosque, uh, you need to wear masks in public settings. Now, if someone chooses not to follow the law and the guidelines, then they're putting other people at risk. Um, and uh, just talking about risk assessments in general, um, mosques have done their best in terms of control measures to 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 ensure that um, to mitigate the risks. But you can't mitigate risk; you can't minimize it or eliminate it. Uh, you know, in its totality, the 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 risk is always out there, um, and everything else is hypothetical scenarios based on people's behavior. And if every the the point that I'm trying to make is that if people that attend the mosque follow follow um, the guidelines and follow the measures that the mosque have put in place, um, everybody in that room could have symptom, uh, symptoms or not symptoms, or or you could have 
five people in the room with COVID and technically that should not spread because everyone's maintained two meters. Um, the mosque is ventilated by having windows and things open. It's a one-way system. There's no mixing at all. So, so that's, 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 I'd, I'd argue that, um, and don't get me wrong here, I'm, I'm yeah. for keeping mosques open, but I'd argue that um, that's hypothetical because to think that, for example, uh, every single salah, and I guess the reality is, is that Fajr salah, you, you haven't got many people there, so it's not, um, you know, it's not really an issue. Um, and then you might have more people for, depending on what masjid is, what area it is, right? You're going to have more people, different different salahs, but Juma is kind of the big thing, right? That yeah. kind of, you think of that, oh, look, uh, because a few hundred people get together um, and that's not happening anywhere else in a confined area. And the strain on the NHS and if one person, one person is one too many now for it to kind of tip over to, or I think Sadiq Khan said recently that we're in a state of emergency because of the lack of facilities of the NHS. And don't get me wrong here, I'm not saying that's the masjid's fault. I mean, if you've got a government or consecutive governments that don't um, put finances towards our healthcare system and uh, have severe cuts and, and take funds out. And it's been a regular occurrence. Every year we have issues in the winter, right? The NHS is always complaining about Sorry, sorry, bro. Sorry to cut you, yeah? It's a very, very good point you're making because what we've also got to think about is the issues that you said in terms of like the higher risk. Um, is that an issue, is that a masjid issue or is that a general issue? Like, for example, yeah, somebody pulling a face mask down, you you know, you could do that in Tesco, you could do that somewhere else. You know, it's not something that is because you're going to the masjid, you're, you're exposed to a, are you necessarily exposed to a greater yeah. risk than if you were going anywhere else? Like in my local area, yeah, just a quick point, me and my wife, we have a joke here that basically... All the people do, like all people do now is you come out, you go to the high street, you get a Costa, you know, and that's like what people do as like almost as a, a recreational thing. And we were, I was dri driving past Costa today and there's a queue inside Costa. And I was just like bemused, like, subhanAllah, you know, yeah. you're going to bother to queue up for a coffee and you know the dangers of being indoors and like, you know, airborne, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if, that, if it's just sort of like, is my, it my thing is, is in response to what you're trying to say. Yeah, go on, bro. Yeah, I was going to say, now, um, the government has recognised that places of worship are an essential part of life, just like supermarkets are. Now, we acknowledge that both supermarkets and places of worship are the same. Now, if, if people are advocating for closing the house, houses of Allah and places of worship, then you should also close supermarkets and have everything delivered. And you should not leave your home at all. Um, and if people are following those, if people are strict enough to, to apply that, because I often see a lot of people talking about mosques and, and, and the BAME community or the Muslim community that are vulnerable. But those same people are visiting other family members, um, meeting up with friends, um, queuing out, like like you said, um, ending up mixing with people that uh, that haven't got the adequate face masks and things in, in place. That might be a generalization though, right, bro? Because you can't say everyone that's coming to the masjid is following the rules, right? Well, so I think, everyone is, that's I think to the we have to be well. honest though, brothers. You can't, you can't say, for example, 
yeah, yeah. I think we have to be honest, and we, and from my experience, it is a case that sometimes our community is a bit lax on these things, you know. Um, like I know, especially of colleagues, uh, non-Muslim colleagues, that you know they literally will not visit their parents. Like they will, they will, you know, sit in the garden or they'll sit at the door, you know, stand at the doorstep, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like they will not go in the house if the government have said don't go in, you know. And there are there are Muslims like that as well, and you know, uh, BAM, BAM community members as well. But um, is it the case that we're a little bit more laxed on this sort of stuff, and therefore we, uh, uh, you know, we have to be extra precautious? Abdullah, what do you think? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Abdullah, sorry, uh, I think you cut out there for a sec. So, I was uh, I was asking about whether our community needs to be more cautious or take extra precautions because we are a little bit more laxed on these sorts of things. Is that is that something that um, you know is is valid? I think um, I think that might be nice to us. Because, you know, realistically speaking, if you look at our, we, we judge uh, normally generally in life, right? We judge everything in our own personal kind of uh, circumstances and what we've experienced. We kind of project our worldview and how we view everyone else and what we see only. But the reality is, is that as a minority within the population of England anyway, um, I don't think, to be honest, our community is behaving in... Um, in, in, a, in a lesser way than any other community when it comes to following the restrictions. I'd actually argue that we, we follow it uh, more so just ba generally, basically, because we wash our hands usually more often anyway when we make wudu. We, um, uh, half of our iman is, is, is cleanliness. So we have so many protocols already within our, within our community that... Um, I think, to be honest, our community is doing a great job. And if you look at, you know, the pictures of the pubs and, and the bars when they were getting closed down or before they get closed down and all the other areas, they were getting crazy. People having parties on the streets and, and uh, people having illegal raves and stuff like that. Yeah, so I agree. I don't think our community is that bad. But in, you know, hot pot spots. So I was watching this BBC documentary. I don't know if you saw it, um, uh, Shainul. It was basically about the mayor of Newham, I think it was. Um, um uh, someone who came in, one, a brother who, who came to the country um, many years ago, um, who was the mayor um, or acting mayor, you know, the, the guy who has the bell, I think he is, and wears his clothes. Um, and he basically passed away. Um, and his kids were like, they were teachers, and they think they might have given it to him, right? Um, yeah. and, and so they were following the guidelines, but the reality is, is that people don't know. And for us, I don't think it is the same thing that we're, we're to blame because uh, our community is, or, or our Muslim community is kind of, you know, not following the rules. I think we actually follow the rules more than anyone. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with um, Abdullah there. And I think that um, the problem is actually in the question. It assumes that um, the BIM community or the Muslim community um, are laxed and... Um, uh, are very neglectful of of this, and um, and I think it's a it's a generalization, and, and I think we're just conditioned by what the media is saying, um, and the way they're representing it. In fact, 
Um, just some anecdotal experience. Um, some of my friends work in an Indian takeaway here in Wales, um, and they've often delivered to houses where they're having house parties, you know, 60, 70, 80 pound orders, right? It can't just be for, for a standard family of four or five. Um, and and there's, you know, more than one household gathering. And um, it's, it's a problem that's um, beyond uh, just our community. It's, it's just, just as Abdullah said, it's everyone. Um, uh, is I think it's a human, I think it's a human thing that people, mm -hmm. um, have started to get frustrated and i mean it's something that no one's really mentioned but obviously we've had such a massive increase in cases um two weeks after christmas you know and it's not really something that many people have uh, mentioned and it could be something that um you know you can't you can't rule out any links um with that so i just want to just conscious of time uh take it to some of the consequences now of um, the community not being able to go to the masjid. And um, for whatever reason, let's say, for example, that your, your local masjid have closed, um, they've closed for whatever type of valid reasons, they've, they've gone through their processes, whatever it is, they've had to close, unfortunately, yeah? Um, what consequence does that have on us as individuals, as a community, you know, um, and I've got to throw some things out there and be a little bit sort of like controversial, you know. Um, many people, they might be going to the masjid, not really very focused. Um, people are going to Jummah, they're not really listening. They might be on their phone. Um, the khutbah might be in Arabic. You might not really understand, et cetera, et cetera. Would it really make much of a difference? Abdullah, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you, bro. I think um, that, you know, it's hard. It's, it's hard to have an opinion because there's just no right or wrong. And um, the impact is it's just too, you know, it's hard times. And I think positivity in these hard times is, is a key thing and having a positive outlook on everything. But what do you think, think do you have much of a, like, I do think the consequence of not going to the yeah. is it a big consequence, Shainu? Yeah, I was going to respond to what you said and, um, I do think, you know, um, uh, I do think it, it is a big difference. Um, the religion of Islam is a religion which is very social. Um, it, it, it relies on, um, like, if you look at our five pillars, um, take Shahada out, out of the equation, the, all our four pillars of worship, um, the prayer, the, the fasting, um, the giving of zakat and the hajj is they're all social social uh they all can be done in a social manner you know the prayer is done in congregation fasting we break you you know we pray tarawih we uh we we eat together break um, fast, we in break the fast together you know we do yeah. that as a family as a community exactly i mean I, I, and the masjid is 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 fundamental to those two and then you got um, zakat, which is a social uh, worship as well, which is, you know, between the rich and the poor. And then the 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 hajj, the the pilgrimage, is between the whole ummah uh, doing something at the same time. And I think even if even if hypothetically speaking, someone who goes and they don't concentrate, the very very mere fact of them taking the effort to to do the ghusl, to then go to the mosque, 
to then, uh, you know, be in attendance, uh, you know, um, that in itself is uh, acknowledgement of one of the, the symbols of Islam, uh, one of the, the um, as they say, the sha'ira of Islam. And no, I agree, I agree, bro, you know, 100%. And it's, 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 it's key because it gives you a connect to something physical. Because we had it for so long now, the masjid closed for Ramadan last year, uh, and we went through that whole thing where we didn't have the masjids open, and I never experienced that in my lifetime, um, that the masjids were closed during Ramadan. Um, uh, but saying that, um, now that the decision has been made, right, because masjids are closed, and I don't know about you guys, but a lot of the masjids in my area took a decision to close, and they were all closed. Um, but I remember uh, some of like uh, other mashayik and stuff that I was listening to, they were saying um, uh, that, look, the, you know, our deen is so beautiful um, that we're not restricted. Allah SWT told us that we're not restricted to a specific space to worship him, as a wajal, right? So we can worship Allah wherever we are uh, or across the world. And if, in, 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 and if we can't do it in a particular place, we can travel to another place in the world to, to worship Allah. So I think from a positive perspective, we should know that our relationship with Allah is beyond just the physical setting of the masjid. And we should not let the closing of the masjids hinder us in making a connection with Allah now, especially what's going on, how many of our own people, like I know so many brothers who have been affected by COVID personally. It's a real eye-opener when you think that you were speaking to someone on the phone last week and now they're having problems breathing and they're young, they're, they were healthy, they're, they're, you know, there are no issues and, and, and they're going through this. It, you know, it should really bring us back in a positive light to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, at this time in our personal relationship. So no matter what we've done in life, no matter what stage we're at, we should really take this as, as a point where we turn back to Allah, ask for forgiveness, because we don't know what's going on, right? Um, we don't know if we're going to get COVID, if we're not going to get, we ask Allah to protect us and protect everyone and rid us of this disease, but we don't know, right? So what's the positive outlook at this? It's to basically realize that our Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is our Lord inside the masjid and outside the masjid. So let's focus on the positivity. Let's focus on connecting back to Allah at this time of trial and test. And, and, and dare I say it, when you see death and, 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 and uh, people being scared, we need to turn back to Allah, right? More so than... I mean, I just want to... Yeah, go on, man. Yeah, I just wanted to add that little extra point of, you know, if it is the case that the mosques do close, you know, which is really unfortunate. And um, part of our iman is that if the mosque close, we are genuinely sad because that opportunity of worshipping Allah is not there. But a Muslim always is adaptable. Um, and this is something that um, I listened to Dr. Sheikh Sajid Omar say in a, in a recent podcast. And he said that adaptability is key to a Muslim, you know, and we see many examples of our uh, of the of our prophets going through difficulties and challenges, and despite the barriers that they faced, they were adaptable to the the circumstance. And as a Muslim, you know, uh, you know, we went through in the first lockdown. We may we may be uh, saddened, but we're adaptable and we make the best of what situation we get. Mm. I think I think that concept of being sad. Uh, not being able to do certain, um, you know, rights of Islam, that's that's integral to our iman. And the fact that the community is concerned about this, you know, um, 
uh, and the fact that you know, yeah, we're we're concerned about preserving life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but um, I re I remember hearing about one individual. Um, I think that was a sheikh or something, and he would he would dress and he would get ready to go to the masjid, and he would actually go to the masjid even when it was closed, um, and then he would just sort of like say make a dua and say that like you know he tried to answer the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but he was prevented because the masjid was closed you know and I'm not saying that we necessarily have to do that but what I'm talking about is how the heart uh, longs for you know longs for the masjid or longs for that ibadah etc etc and um, what we really do need to get out to the community is that we do need to be positive you know having that positive mindset and how um, as believers whatever trials that we are given uh, if we uh, respond to that with patience and with gratitude then inshallah we're going to get an even better uh you know an even better reward and this is something that just it calls us back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of the day you know um Ramadan uh last year and potentially even this year might be uh affected depending on how long things go but last year subhanallah last year's Ramadan was actually um it was actually quite special because yeah we didn't have the masajid that's true but the community was still coming together and the community was still trying to find alternative ways, you know, adaptability, as you say. Um, and it's just important for us as a community to remember these sorts of things so that we cannot, so that we don't fall into a trap of becoming used to, uh, you know, used to praying at home or used to like, you know, abandoning certain things that we might have done uh, beforehand. Um, so Jazakallah Khair, brothers. Um, Let's just have a couple of concluding comments um, from each of you uh, regarding, you know, how the community can go forward from this uh, particular state that we're in or situation that we're in right now. Um, Shaheen, if I start with you. I think um, uh, the first thing I'm going to say is that optimism and positivity is the hallmark of a believer. And um, the, all the prophets uh, were positive they've gone through greater challenges and great, greater trials and tribulations than what we are facing now covid is a challenge and what we're facing is difficult and a lot of people do complain that they can't go out with their friends they can't go to school um you know being at home with your siblings and um, fighting over that laptop to be able to do your lessons it is difficult um you don't know where your life's headed at right now but know that the, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests everyone and we need to remain positive and make best of whatever situation we have. And uh, Abdullah, any concluding comments? I mean, mashallah, there's not really much. Yeah, I mean, mashallah, Shainun kind of uh, wrapped it up there quite nicely. I just uh, add to that and say, you know, um, we need to have uh, uh, the quality of uh, uh, forgiveness and uh, appreciating the other person's perspective especially in times like this that um people are scared people are uh, being told and seeing things which are not used to. so we need to take that into consideration and appreciate what impact that might be having on them because of their journey and what stage they're in in life um, and approach them in that manner and we shouldn't really kind of uh, and, and once we have have that i think well not only will we be uh, more unified in in terms of working together 
and appreciating each other. But what we will be is we'll be more positive because we realize that those people who are more scared need more support. And those people who aren't scared, maybe they need a bit more warning to be not, you know, fall into the traps of becoming a bit lackadaisical and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, yeah that would be my concluding remarks is to just have the mind frame of, you know, forgiveness and putting your sh yourself in the shoes of the person and other people's point of view so that we can appreciate each other and be united at this time of struggle uh, under a ban of positivity and come back to Allah. MashaAllah. Brothers, uh, some really nice points there, MashaAllah. Um, very balanced. And um, hopefully this is, uh, you know, uh, provided a little bit of a, you know, um, a little bit of guidance to the community, a little bit of advice. Um, and it's all about mindset. I talk a lot on the podcast about mindset and having the correct mindset when it comes to approaching things, uh, attitude towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, etc. And obviously we make the ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, protects uh, the Muslims and also the wider community and enables us to uh, continue to you know, worship him and enables us brothers in particular that uh, we can meet together, inshallah, in the masjid, in the house of Allah, um, without the restrictions that we've had before. Jazakum um, guys, for, for coming on board. Really appreciate your time. Um, inshallah, I'd love to have you guys back. Would be really good, inshallah. It would be nice um, to get a cheap burger or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah, no worries. We, we have to get uh, we have to get some ideas from uh, from Abdullah inshallah ta'ala. Okay, Zakhmakar guys, uh, inshallah, if you've got uh, if you've benefited from this, then please share it with your friends, uh, family, etc., etc. And um, you know, if you need to get in touch with us, then just get in touch with us, and uh, we'll be hearing you'll be hearing from us uh, very soon inshallah. Zakhmakar, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.